0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the AwesomeMode.com NBA Strategy Show presented by Underdog Fantasy. I'm Dave Locker. at Lafay underscore D on the Twitter It's L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. Joined by Adam Scher at ShipMyMoney DFS breaking down a three-game NBA slate today. What's happening, pal? How
1: are you feeling about your Sixers?
0: Ah, well, here's the thing. I'm not surprised. Like, am I disappointed by it? Sure. Am I shocked that a Doc Rivers-led team is about to blow a 3-0 series?
1: No, I'm not. Do you, do you think they end up losing?
0: Honest opinion? After that first loss, after that first loss, I honestly thought we'd come in and we'd beat them at home. I think that's a fair assessment. They were yes. eight-point favorites. They that's should how have won. That's
1: supposed to go.
0: Right. After yesterday, I think they could absolutely lose this series. No yeah, doubt about I f-
1: it. Like, I, f- I feel like it's getting overstated, like, because people are acting like the, the Raptors are, like, favorites now. They're, they're not. But, like, it's, it's a tough spot now. Like, you go into Toronto where… Tough place to play. Right. You go in there and lose, and then you're playing. You're like, yeah, you get to come back home. But at that point, it's… If you lose this, there's so much pressure there. Like, if you lose this game, uh, you just blew a 3-0 lead. And on top of that, I don't know, but I would assume that every game Embiid plays, his thumb doesn't feel any better. For
0: sure. I, honestly, the only issues I really saw with, he threw, I don't know if you saw this, he threw down a monster dunk uh, from like 10 feet out with his right hand yesterday and was no worse for wear because of it. But accepting it and, and making passes looked like it was a problem for him. But there, there's so much. First, Nick Nurse made adjustments in game four. Clearly, the quick doubles to Joel Embiid make it very tough. What adjustments has Doc made to get Ever. Embiid open more, and every t- every time Joel Embiid got the ball down around the back, I- I've said this. I said this to you the other day. Every single time you get Joel Embiid the ball down around the basket, uh, you know, down low in the paint, post him up, he's shooting like eighty five percent. But they're still not doing that.
1: Right. So somebody said Sixers will win. Raptors did what they were supposed to do. Defended home court yesterday was in Philly.
0: Yeah, yesterday was not a home game. They, the Raptors lost their first home game, won the second, and then took one from Philly yesterday in a blowout. Sixers were down by double digits nearly the entire game. So, no. Harden looks bad. We shot terribly. I Dream, uh, uh, Danny Green made some some solid threes, but I've never seen somebody airball as many threes as this guy does. Matisse Thybulles' only points were scored by Precious Achua.
1: Yeah, that, that was an insane play.
0: How does that even happen? I don't don't, No, It's it's rough, dude. I think there's a a legitimate shot that the Sixers lose this I I honestly wouldn't be shocked. You know why? I don't put all of yesterday on Doc. The team shot terribly. But don't you, Adam, don't you have to look at Doc to make some adjustments as a head coach in the playoffs when Nick Nurse
1: is making adjustments? Yeah, but you're going to be looking for a while because uh, I don't think he's ever done it.
0: No, I, I know. But I, what I'm saying is, don't, does, isn't there some liability there when
1: he can't make adjustments ever? I mean, yeah, that's the problem for the Sixers here is one team has, an, has a real coach and one doesn't.
0: He, Sixers, uh, to open the second quarter, didn't score for five straight minutes. Doc didn't call a timeout till they were down by 14. Like, the, the guy's clueless. But what's crazy too is this isn't the this is what's really fun about this this playoffs. That's not the only spot that's that's crazy. I mean, the Nets just got swept out in the first round. Um, The Dallas Mavericks. I know that they were the four and Utah was the five, but they were widely considered evenly matched teams. Donovan Mitchell had nine points yesterday. The Jazz scored seventy-seven points in that loss.
1: Yeah, uh, Dallas. I mean, Dallas obviously has been a pleasant surprise. When you consider that they played the first couple games without Luca too, who looks fantastic.
0: Looks excellent. What do yeah. you have? Like 33 and 16 or something stupid yesterday.
1: It, it was a lot. I don't remember what it was.
0: I, I, let me throw one more at you. How about this one? How about two games tonight? The, 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 the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves are knotted up two games apiece, And that's your, that's your two and your seven seed. And then you've got the Pelicans and the Phoenix suns, even without Devin Booker, that's a two-two series. The Pelicans just handled Phoenix to tie the series at two. So that's your one and your eight, your two and your seven. We're going to a game five, uh, and at at the least, you're getting six games out of both of these series.
1: Yeah, it's it, it seems like a lot of the underdogs this postseason have at least been like fun teams that are are competitive. You know, Nets aside, uh, but they at least you know still played some competitive games. They just obviously uh, disappeared or, or weren't as good as we kind of were expecting. But like the Pelicans. You still have Ingram and McCollum like just doing great stuff. You have Herbert Jones locking people down defensively. Um, Minnesota is just a really fun team. Obviously, they can score a lot. So, uh, yeah, I think it's been a fun postseason just in terms of like the underdogs being a combination of the underdogs being good. And a lot of the favorites not actually being that good.
0: I said to Josh yesterday, remember that first game between Brooklyn and Boston, Jason Tatum layup. Uh, Great defense on the Nets' final possession. Uh, Durant's forced to take a bad deep three. If the Nets end up winning that game, we could be looking at an entirely different series.
1: I don't know. I mean, Boston was just... I think it goes six. They were so good defensively. And that was another one where, like, Nash just didn't do anything. He didn't make any changes to get Durant better looks. He didn't, until yesterday, he didn't do anything really about getting Drummond off the floor. And then, like, you have Claxton, who's better than Drummond, but then can't make free throws. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't think the Nets were going far, regardless.
0: It's fair take. I, I still think the series looks different though, because that game was insanely competitive, and then everything just fell apart. Uh, Sean Dre said Harden is not good. It's not Doc's fault. A lot of these players don't have a mid-range game and can't create off the dribble. Correct, and that's why I said a lot of it isn't Doc's fault. But Doc has made zero. Adjust. You can't. Not sure earlier said Doc. They're running all the same sets as they did in the first two games. They're, go go and look at this team. nothing has changed except except Nick nurse's scheme to defend them, which is working clearly they can't score points so yeah they're getting some good looks and missing them but they're also just I, I don't know it's it's rough but anyway miami uh Miami advances tonight, eh yeah. Who do you got between Memphis and Minnesota? Obviously, Grizzlies six-point favorites here. I, I think they get this win and go up 3-2 in the series. Where are you at on that one?
1: Yeah, I would go Memphis here.
0: What about Phoenix and New Orleans?
1: That one's tougher, but again, in, in in Phoenix, you still have Chris Ball. Um Yeah, I mean, I, I, would, I would go Phoenix, but not super confident. I mean, losing Booker, obviously, is huge.
0: Yeah, six-and-a-half-point favorites at home, so a little bit surprising. You ready to dive into this? I enjoy these playoff recaps. Sometimes you have to do that. You got to spend a few minutes recapping stuff. Um, Jordan, what did you send me? With a combined margin of 18 points, Celtics Nets is the third closest four-game sweep in NBA history, trailing Warriors bullets in the 1975 NBA Finals and Cavs Pacers in the 2017 first round. That's interesting. Interesting. How is there a combined margin? Is there really a combined margin of 18 points on all all four of those games? That's nuts. Well, yeah, I guess one point yesterday was what? Like three points? One was seven? Yeah. That's crazy. All right. Atlanta, Miami. Let's get into this. Before we do, hit that thumbs up. We're at 54. Appreciate you guys that just, you know, auto thumbs up. Guys are, are the ones that keep this engine going. But if you haven't done so, hit that thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel. Uh, help us continue to grow this so we can continue to put out good content, free content, new content. Uh, if you like this stuff, take that single second and uh, help us out around here. And uh, if you want, you can hit that join down below. Get the free super chats each month, the custom emojis, the sweet badges. Oh, they look good. Tony looking good, bro. And we'll always prioritize your comments and questions along with our premium discord members. And we got some stuff in the works as well for our for our YouTube subs part of the, the, the awesome Ofam fam around here. All right, let's do this. Atlanta and Miami. Trey Young last game, just this this Miami defense can be stifling. And even in the two games where he's produced 20 plus points, he's still been modest at best from a DFS perspective, right? Like Miami will slow you down. Last game, coming off three for 11 performance, he got to the line. He had one. I'm assuming it was either a technical or it would have been a technical or a. or an N one, he was oh for one from the line. It's been a really rough series for Trey young.
1: Yeah. And I mean, at least to some extent to be expected when you're going up against Miami, like he's obviously going to get a lot of opportunities, but it's a really good defense and not to take anything away from guys like Bogdanovich or, you know, now Collins that now that he's back healthy, but like, it's not like you have a lot of other things you need to worry about. If you're Miami, it's, it should be pretty easy for them to, uh, you know, hone in on Trey young and make his life difficult. And I think that's what we've seen.
0: Do you want to get to him today or are we kind of at a point where we've seen what Trey young is doing in this series?
1: I mean, it's still a three game slate. He's still going to play a ton of minutes. Assuming this game's close, the yeah. price tag's still pretty cheap right now, though. It looks like the ownership is about where it should be Uh 27% chance of being optimal, 27% projected ownership. I don't really have a strong take one way or the other. Um, like your average game from, from young, even accounting for the fact that Miami is really good defensively and it's a bad matchup. Your average game is still good for a $9,300 price tag. Um, but at the same time, it, it is risky. I mean, through four games, he's only averaged 0.83 DraftKings points per minute. Um, but he has a 29% usage rate, 28% assist percentage, uh, shooting 21% from three, 35% from the field. As good as Miami is, you still expect those numbers to come up. So I think he's fine, but there's going to be a lot of good guards that we can get to as well.
0: So the obvious question here then is, assuming Capella and Bogdanovich both play, they're they're both questionable, but assuming they both play, Are, are we really getting to much at all from Atlanta?
1: I think it's pretty difficult outside of just, you know, secondary options here and there. Uh, Capella played about 20 minutes last game, lost a few minutes to garbage time. Looked like he would have gotten around 25, 26. He's 5,500. I mean, he can have a good game, but. I'm not overly confident in it. John Collins is hurt by Capella being back because he loses rebounding opportunities. Um, Bogdanovich only played 20 minutes last game. If this game's competitive, I expect 30 still from Bogdanovich. Um, He's been good in this series. You've seen um, a lot of usage from him as well. So I don't mind getting there, but he's also 6,100. So he's relatively expensive 0.98 DraftKings points per minute, 24.8% usage rate in the series. But, I think still, you know, appropriately priced. And that's how I feel about Herder and and Hunter as well. Uh, There's just nobody here that really looks underpriced to me outside of Young. And Young himself, you know, certainly has his own concerns based on how the series has gone.
0: With Miami, you have no Kyle Lowry today. And I I think this is, this isn't one of those. We knew from the beginning, this wasn't just one of those Spolstra listing. Everyone is questionable. He's out again. Even if he could play today, I, I don't really, I, if he wasn't 100%, I, I don't really believe there's much reason to rush him back there. I just don't see any way Miami coughs up this series to Atlanta or even loses tonight. But the, the, the Bam out of Bio price point to me is the one that's the most intriguing. You've got him at the center position. He's $6,900, which is, you know, really reasonable. He was, to start this series, he was 8000 and now he's down to 6,900. I know last game was was underwhelming, but the game prior to that, he was solid. Uh, and last game was a blowout, so he lost five minutes. I mean, 6,900 on Bam, to me, uh, is a really solid spot. Even with Clint Capella back, it, it feels like that's too cheap.
1: Yeah, I agree. It seems like his price tag's been going down just as a result of stuff that you're not expecting to happen on a game-by-game basis. Like, could this game blow out again? Sure um obviously it, it could but if the game's competitive and he avoids foul trouble you're still likely to get 32 33 minutes from bam um he's only at 0.92 DraftKings points per minute for the series his usage is down a bit to 18 and a half percent um but the the salary coming down does still make him look pretty good I wouldn't say that like if this were a regular season game and we knew bam was 100 percent healthy and you know he had been producing at normal rates I would think he was like one of the best plays on the slate at 6,900 as is now. I think he's a little bit riskier, but I still think he's underpriced.
0: The rest of this team. So the, the, it's so tough to get a good read on, on what things look like, but you know, a couple of things that Jimmy would have closed this game out. Bam would have closed the game out. What do you think the closing lineup would have looked like outside of those guys throw hero into the mix? Uh, if, if we didn't see a, a massive blowout,
1: So I I think, I mean, guys like Butler and and Bam, I think you can comfortably say would have played more. I think Hero
0: would have closed too.
1: Yeah, like Hero, I I assume closes. The Oladipo rotation is really interesting because he didn't play basically in the first half until Caleb Martin got in foul trouble. Then Oladipo came in and closed the half. But then Oladipo was, you know, he, he subbed in in the third quarter, played the entire fourth, which, you know, some of that was garbage time. But if you get... Like if you get Oladipo's intended second half rotation in the first half here, you're probably looking at 20 minutes or so, which could work out at 4,500. Um, so kind of an interesting flyer where I think there's a lot of volatility on his playing time. Um, I, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays less than last game, but also, you know, if he gets into the first half rotation, that looks really good for him in the second half. He basically just replaced Duncan Robinson. Um so kind of kind of an interesting spot there, Martin. I think they use like I, I think they want Martin out there defensively. So I do still think he's ahead of Oladipo in the rotation. He subbed in first in the second half as well. So that's what makes me think that you're not like assured of getting a bunch of Oladipo minutes here. But you know maybe he gets into the twenties again. Um, but I, I think the closing lineup probably would have been um, Butler, Bam, Struess, Hero, and then take your pick of Martin, Tucker, Vincent.
0: Yeah. I think the same and Vincent played 27 and a half minutes through three quarters. So with with the amount of minutes he was playing, I wouldn't have been shocked to see him close this game out at all. It's hard to say. I mean, Tucker played a lot as well, but let's just say this game stays competitive enough to where these guys get their full allotment of minutes. They all play. Uh, Bam is obviously viable. Jimmy Butler, is is playing well for this for this heat team right now and and i think you know you're just getting a a more aggressive jimmy butler which you love to see when when jimmy's aggressive as a scorer because a lot of times in the regular season he'll happily take a backseat role on a team that has plenty of other scorers and plenty of guys that can just stop their opponents but he's dropped 45 and 36 actual points in two of his last three games dude he's rebounding well he has quality enough assist totals I know normally you'd look at a 9K plus Jimmy Butler price point and and, and, and not want to get there, but on a three-game slate, especially with the way that he's been producing, he's been one of the best players in the postseason altogether.
1: Yeah, he's been fantastic. He's at 1.49 DraftKings points per minute, but it's not like part of that is unsustainably good shooting. He's shooting 44% from three, um, but he does have a 29.7% usage rate, 25.5% assist percentage. He's doing everything out there, 12.5% rebounding percentage. Like where I mentioned that Bam's usage is down a bit, that's going to Jimmy Butler. And then when you take out Kyle Lauer, you get more assist opportunities as well. So um, I, I do still like Butler a lot. Like when It it, it seems weird, but when Butler's 9,200 here and Young is 9,300, I have a hard time not liking Jimmy Butler more, just given the matchups and what they've been able to do through the first four games of this series.
0: Who'd you compare him to? I'm sorry. Trey Young. Oh, I like Butler considerably more than Trey Young.
1: Yeah, and they're basically the same ownership at the same price.
0: Yeah, it's the same player on, on paper. Like, if you take the name away from it, just look at the price and the ownership. Yeah, I I love Butler in this spot, and just a, a markedly better matchup as well. How about Gabe Vincent? He he looked like it was going to be ugly early on, but but he ended up coming through at a, at a discounted price point. Him and and Struess and, and a couple of these these cheap guys. I'll throw PJ Tucker into the mix. What type of value do you want to get to for Miami?
1: Um. So with. The rest of Miami, I think $4,100 Gabe Vincent looks good. You know, like you said, played 28 minutes through three quarters. Maybe would have come back in in the fourth in a competitive game. Don't really know where that last roster spot would have gone. But he looked good. Um, You got 35 minutes from Max Struess. That doesn't have to happen again. Like, he can lose minutes to Robinson or Martin or Oladipo. um, But just the fact that he has been starting, he has been aggressive offensively. Um, I, I think that Lowry being out does help his playing time and it's likely that you get a pretty substantial run from Struis again. So interested in both of those guys, we we already, you know, kind of touched on Oladipo. Um, I, I did want to just reiterate, cause I saw somebody in chat said, say you can't fade Oladipo. Oladipo like his range of minutes here is literally zero to like 28. So you, you certainly can. Um, he, basically played by accident in the first half last game because he wasn't coming in if Caleb Martin doesn't get in foul trouble then he got actual second half rotation in place of Robinson but still benefited from garbage time so um Oladipo is a complete wild card right now anybody deciding yeah Oladipo is a legit part of the rotation not based on last game he's not so um just be careful with Oladipo like the upside is certainly there but based on last game um that is not if you're somebody that was looking for Oladipo to like be a consistent producer or part of this team going forward. Last game's rotation is absolutely not what you wanted to see.
0: When you, when you sub in with six minutes left in the second quarter, it's not at all.
1: Right. Like Caleb Martin picked up foul number. I don't know, three, two, two or three. It went to the bench. That's when Oladipo came in, played out the half, um, you know, and then yeah, he subbed in in the third quarter, played the entire fourth, including garbage time. But uh, yeah, like in, in their first half rotation, Hero, of course, was ahead of him. Robinson was ahead of him. Martin was ahead of him. And then obviously they started Struis and Vincent ahead of him. Um, it's pretty tough to come away from that rotation and say like, yeah, Eric Spolstra is uh, really psyched to give Oladipo minutes here.
0: I was going to say, I, I would do, I would feel comfortable giving Oladipo just because I don't know about 15 minutes today. Uh, I just checked our projections. We have him at 14.6 minutes. I, I I think that's fine because I'm not necessarily comfortable playing him for zero minutes since he did in the second half, even though he closed the game or even though he played like three minutes of garbage time, he did play with the starters for like nine minutes there. So it, I don't think you can say one way or another.
1: Right. Like I I think the best guess is that Oladipo is probably in the rotation, but for like what would you say 14 minutes i said 14 um, 15 minutes yeah. yeah like that that's very reasonable if he plays well he could get more but like there's a non-zero chance he just doesn't play here yeah like he hadn't been and I right. know like it's not here. it's not like miami's been keeping victor oladipo on the bench because they have some secret weapon that they're waiting to use they've been yes. keeping him on the bench because they don't want him on the floor right like they, they've had the opportunity to play him ahead of vincent or ahead of Struce. Mike Struce has been starting this entire series. Um, they've had the opportunity to play him ahead of those guys. They've had the opportunity to play him ahead of Duncan Robinson if they wanted to. Haven't done any of that. There's no reason to think that Lowry getting hurt moves Oladipo ahead of any of those guys.
0: Agreed. Anything else on Miami?
1: Um, no. That's, that's it.
0: We got free content on, we got a lot of free content. Some of these days we just, we just roll it all out there. For those of you that are looking to get in on some free stuff over at AwesomeO for the day, NBA main slate ownership projections are free. You want to follow along with us. You hear us talk about ownership, every show they're over there. You can check them out. MLB player projections are also free PGA golfer projections, NHL top stacks, all of that. And if you're just looking to get in on it, join us over there. Take advantage of all the tools for baseball, basketball, uh, hockey, USFL, F1 now, we everything. Uh, UFC, NASCAR, eSports. If they have contests out there, we have content, ownership, projections, top stacks, all of our, our simulation tools, you name it, we've got you covered. The lineup builder, fantasy country add-on, go to awesome.com slash join and be sure to get in on that. Check it out. Uh, like I've said many times before, all these tools created by Osimo himself, built by Osimo himself, used by him, and, and, and managed uh, by a lot of the, the best DFS players out there as well. And we have our premium Discord with a great community. And on top of that, we have the premium Discord office hours channel where you got the pros that come in you know, throughout the day and answer your questions and help you better your game. So awesomeocom slash join if you want to see whatever, what else we have to offer. If not, all good. Check out the free tools today and follow along with us here on this show. All right, Minnesota and Memphis. Got to hand it to this Timberwolves team. They're scrappy. You got Edwards. You have Karl Anthony Towns after like maybe one of the worst playoff performances I've ever seen, just based on his antics and the foul trouble again and and everything coming back with a a pretty big response. Adam, I'll hand it to the guy. He kind of annoys me, but I'll give credit where credits due towns had towns came back and he, he he answered the bell with a huge game and a win against the Memphis Grizzlies good play it was a good game
1: yeah it was um I, I- I was watching the game and I didn't have him in my main lineup. I don't know how much I even had on, on the slate, but it was just like he, he came out and like immediately took a three. And I was just like, yeah, this is going to be the game where he just comes out and actually shoots and, and shuts everybody up at least for a little bit. So uh, it, it was nice to see that bounce back game from him. 30 and percent usage rate played 42 minutes. That's the big thing with Towns is we've seen the games where he doesn't get in foul trouble. He's out there playing 42, 43 minutes. It's just that he's also, he, he fouls at a stupid rate. And that makes it so you can't, project him for 40 plus because you have to balance it out with the games where he gets in foul trouble and plays 26 minutes. But um, it's very nice knowing that if he's not in foul trouble, he's giving you 40 plus minutes at at 9,100. And he's a matchup nightmare for anybody he plays. So uh, still looks very good. I think I would put him ahead of Butler and uh, certainly ahead of young.
0: And if he's not in foul trouble, Towns is playing 42 or 43 minutes. Like we know that, you know, if this game's close. (sighs) That's the thing. Towns is so volatile because of this this insane foul trouble we've been seeing. But would you not? I'm not saying you're projecting him for 43, but would you not agree that if if you're in a competitive game and these games have been competitive, save for for one of them, uh, if he's not in foul trouble, he's playing 40 plus minutes.
1: Right. Exactly. That that's like it makes it difficult to project him just because he does foul a lot.
0: At, right. That's why I said you can't project right. him for that. But right. you know the ceiling is huge here.
1: Right. It's nice. So, like, on the other side of this game with Jaron Jackson, something I've talked about with Jackson a lot this year is that there were times, more so, like, last season and early this season, where when Jaron Jackson wasn't in foul trouble, you would get, like, 36 minutes. And that makes it so, like, you can deal with the foul trouble because you know when he's not in foul trouble he's going to play a ton and that's how it is with towns um on the opposite side like then jackson moved into this role where like even when he's not in foul trouble he plays 28 minutes and then it was just like okay well i'm done playing jaron jackson because cool i avoid yeah. the foul trouble and i get two more minutes at least with towns you avoid the foul trouble and you're getting six minutes more than like his median projection
0: yeah exactly what about Edwards and Russell, the other two options on this team? You know, you kind of scale down from Towns to Edwards to Russell and Price Point. They're all $1,000 more expensive than the next guy. Uh, but Edwards also has that ceiling that we've seen in these games. You know, even with Towns putting up big numbers last time out, Edwards held his own, put up a strong game. He was great in game one. He was the driving force behind that victory. So he's playing a ton of minutes as well. And then we could talk about Russell, and then we'll get into a couple of these cheaper options.
1: Yeah, I think all four of those guys look good. I mean, Towns to me, number one. But 8K for Edwards is fine. Um, in this series, he's averaged 1.09 DraftKings points per minute, 25% usage rate, 37.8 minutes per game. The risk on him is that he is scoring dependent. And in games where Cat plays 42 minutes, obviously, Cat's taking more usage than Edwards. But, um, you know, if Cat gets in foul trouble, that's good for Edwards. And then you certainly can just have the game where Anthony Edwards takes over. We've seen that happen plenty as well. So, I think that he's um, somewhat risky, but I, I think the upside certainly still there at 8k. Russell at 7k looks fine. Like he's also risky in that you expect him to get less usage than Edwards and Towns. He's at 23% for the series, um, but he's averaging 32 and a half minutes per game, 0.91 DraftKings points per minute. That looks fine. And then as long as Beverly can stay out of foul trouble. He's at um, 0.88 DraftKings points per minute in the series, 32 minutes per game, only 5,600. Um, during the regular season, he was around a fantasy point per minute guy. So I think all four of those guys are just a little bit underpriced, starting with Towns in particular.
0: All right, let's get into to some of the value here. What a, what a crazy series it's been for Jared Vanderbilt, right? I mean, the guy's minutes have gone from 19 to 9 to 32 to 35 so he's all over the map but I, I mean as of now at least we have to assume that he's going to get a decent amount of run today and while he's not the best fantasy producer in the world he still is what is he probably point i don't have it in front of me probably 0.9, point, 0.9 fantasy points per minute around that i mean 0.91 maybe i'm just guessing here but it's around there and he's still he's still cheap, even though his price has come up a little bit from last time out.
1: Yeah. Um, in in this series, he's at 0.81, uh, for the season. He's at 0.89. And, but yeah, I mean, the salary has come up a little bit at 4,100. It's really just, this is another guy that is risky because of his minutes, but it has been good to see those minutes in the last two games because it, like it's not like Memphis went back to their big lineups. Um, When he played nine minutes, you had gotten the quote from Minnesota that they took Vanderbilt out because they were tired of Jaron Jackson being able to just camp out in the paint. And so they wanted, you know, just to spread the floor more. And so that, was concerning because it was like okay well if memphis is gonna keep going with these smaller lineups is vanderbilt just not gonna be a part of this series and you're gonna get smaller lineups from minnesota but um the answer has been no like he's come out he's played well uh he rebounds really well which is nice because uh, i know you talk about it a lot like rebounding is something you can count on more so like when, when you talk about scoring obviously high usage guys are going to consistently score more points than lower usage guys but like you're still gonna have games that you shoot poorly rebounding is just from game to game it's more consistent so when you have a cheap guy like Vanderbilt if he's getting those minutes it's hard for him to completely disappear just because he rebounds so well um the scoring you know can come and go but any games where he actually scores at a decent rate he's going to just have massive fantasy games so based on the last couple of games I feel good about Vanderbilt at 4100 the risk is just that you know, he's two games removed from playing nine minutes overall in this series, uh, despite playing, you know, what thirty-two and thirty-five minutes, he still only averaged twenty-four minutes per game. So, right. you know, I think, you know, if you go like twenty-six minutes on Vanderbilt, he he looks decent at forty one hundred, but it's just another very volatile spot because twenty-six is kind of like like it's likely to be six minutes too high or six minutes too low.
0: Jared Vanderbilt's the type of guy that'll make literally anybody look stupid. Here, what I mean is a first game, pe- people are like, "Don't play him, right?" Maybe I like can chat. And then next game, it's told you not to play him. Never play him. And then you, and then you're like, "Okay." And then after that game, it's, "Oh yeah, you're right. Maybe, maybe they're right." And then the next game, he plays thirty-two minutes, has thirty-six fantasy points at thirty-five hundred, and then plays thirty-two minutes the next night. He might play fifteen again tonight, or he might play thirty-five. You just, you just kind of articulated that nicely. But there is no. There is no always play or never play Jared Vanderbilt. It's just, if you're playing Jared Vanderbilt, know what you're getting into.
1: That's right. All. And, and players like that in general, um, I just care. I pay a little bit more attention. I just care a little bit more about where the ownership's at because there is so much volatility. Right now, he's at 26%, which seems fine. Uh, seems about where it should be. 24% chance of being optimal. But like the other day, that first game, the, the game after the nine-minute game, like, That's the ideal time to play somebody like Vanderbilt, even though it's super risky, just because he was like 12% owned. And it was like, you know, I have no confidence how many minutes he's going to play, but if he plays 24 to 26 minutes at 3,500, he's the best value on the slate at 12% owned. Um, So guys like that in general, the the really volatile minutes, it's always going to be somebody that I'd lean kind of towards finding alternatives when they're super popular. And I lean towards taking chances on them when they're not popular.
0: Close out the rest of uh, Minnesota for me here.
1: Uh, Not a whole lot else. I mean, Jaden McDaniels at 3300 if you're, like, starved for value. But I don't really think that's going to be the case on this slate because you don't have Giannis, you don't have Embiid, you don't have Durant, you don't have any of those guys. So you don't have Jokic. So um, I don't think you're going to be needing to go to, like, a $3,300 McDaniels all that much. But, you know, if you do need somebody in that price range, he's at least playable. Uh, only played 10 minutes last game, but uh, typically you're going to get around 20 or so. Um But again, like not not anything that I'm excited about. Uh, Kind of the same thing with Beasley at 3,800. He's capable of playing well and getting more minutes, but he also only played 11 minutes last game. Uh, Just no real way to be confident in him either. So I don't really have much from Minnesota outside of the starters.
0: BMAC said he only had 27 fantasy points. that night. Yeah, he was $3,700 in a playoff slate. So usually you would take that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I think the game before he had – I don't know, 30-something? 30 36.
0: Yeah. Archithelza says they won those two games, so Vander should get the minutes again, barring foul trouble. No, they won one of them and the other game. The other game, they blew a 26-point lead and lost by nine. So I wouldn't look at it that way. They came back. Got, they, they came and got the victory the next game, but the game prior to that, they blew a 26-point lead, and Vanderbilt played 20, 32 minutes. So Talk to me about the Grizzlies. Let, let's get into this one a little bit. Uh, John Morant. Last game, 11 points, but he has been spectacular from a peripheral standpoint. That's what's that's what's been pretty impressive about him in this in this postseason series so far. Look at his assist totals, man: 15, 10, 10, 8, rebounds, four, nine, 10, 8. And, and he's not even playing particularly big minutes outside of that one come behind come from behind win.
1: Yeah, he's at 35 minutes per game um in the series. But he's been really productive, and he also hasn't been shooting well. He's shooting 27% from three, 40% from the field, um, hasn't been getting a favorable whistle, at least in the games I've paid attention to, um, just getting destroyed inside and not getting calls, but still getting it done from a fantasy standpoint. 1.45 DraftKings points per minute, 28% usage, 12.8% rebounding percentage, 47.5% assist percentage, $9,900 price tag is a little bit of an issue not because of anything to do with Morant but just because he is a li- he's more expensive than Butler and Young and Towns it's just going to make it a little bit you know all that more difficult to get to him but it should also drive down the the ownership as well because he's just not going to project this quite a- as good of a value so right now we only have him at 23% compared to like 30% for guys like uh Young and and Butler so I do like Morant quite a bit in tournaments uh, you are sort of overpaying a little bit just because of the price tags on other guys, but, uh, he's getting it done in a big way without even shooting particularly well.
0: Yeah, he is. And the rest of this team, that's the only thing about, about the Grizzlies that drives me nuts. is just the playing time. I mean, Tillman starts last game. He had two fouls. He left early. Didn't he? Didn't he get hurt? I thought he got hurt. Maybe not. He might've fouled. No, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. It wasn't him. Uh, Zaire Williams at one point left that game. Tillman, Tillman didn't, but Tillman was in a lot of foul trouble. Played 16 minutes. Morant played 34 minutes. Adam in a game that they lost by one point. Just throwing it out there. Uh, Dylan Brooks played 34. Jaron Jackson played 23. Desmond Bain played 35. Brandon Clark played 29. Somewhat a result of, of Tillman, but that's the only thing that sucks is that is the minutes in a playoff series where, you know, a lot of teams are going to run these guys for huge minutes. So do the price tags reflect their playing time enough to where we want to get to a decent amount of Memphis would be the question.
1: So one thing with Morant last game, he did lose Ron in the third quarter because he picked up his fourth foul. Um, Okay. Again, just another, like, why are we benching point guards for fouls?
0: It's so dumb. Um, Seth Kurt Nash, give him credit. At least he put, Seth Curry back in there with 3,000 the first half and let him finish it out.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, I, I don't get it. Like, you just decided to play John Morant in a thirty four less than 34 minutes in a competitive game to avoid him not being able to play at the end of the fourth quarter. Like, but you lost by a point. Right. Yeah, I, I don't – I that's, like, the next thing I think that coaches finally figure out. Um, you, You're starting to see, like, a few of them kind of start to get it. Um, I think Minnesota's coach actually – I think it was Chris Finch. I don't remember. There was somebody recently that was just like – when when asked about leaving somebody in, they were like, "Well, if I take them out, then I'm just doing what I'm trying to avoid anyway. So why not right. Just admit? Right. Like the, the only argument for it is if teams are attacking them and it's making the defense worse, then yes. fine. Because but,
0: the, but, but 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 with a center, sure. When right. the centers go ahead, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I was know. gonna say
1: that's not really something you're that concerned about with your your point guard. Like if you're talking about a big and they're just Like attacking the rim relentlessly because he's either going to foul them or just move, then that's one thing. But like, uh, it doesn't make any sense. But anyway, if he we've always railed
0: against that since the beginning, it's just one of those things that drives you nuts. Obviously, from a DS DFS standpoint, but also when you know a guy has two fouls and he averages like 1.6 fouls per game on the season, and now you're taking him out and sitting him for an extended period of time. Right. It's so Well, dumb. and
1: like uh, in, in the Golden State game, I wasn't watching it. I just saw tweets about it. But like Steve Kerr used a challenge, I think, like in a situation that like it was not an important spot where you should be wasting your challenge, but he used it to avoid getting like a second or third foul on Steph Curry. And it was like the guy fouls at like historically low rates and you're wasting challenges to avoid him picking up like a meaningless foul. Um, I hear but, you. Regardless, if this game's competitive and Morant can avoid his coach fouling him out, um, he he does, I think, get more than thirty-four minutes. Like you're probably looking at upper thirties. Um, but I played forty-one
0: and that come from behind win.
1: Right. Um, to, like to, to your point, Memphis's rotation does kind of suck as far as they play more guys. They have a deep team. You can't look at them the same way you can look at a team like Toronto or Boston or whatever and, and say like, no, these guys are all getting forty minutes every single night, but. I do think that uh, in a competitive game, Morant is likely to approach 40 minutes. Um, Bain, kind of the same thing. 35 minutes last game. Like, why isn't he playing a few more minutes? I don't know, but um, still, I think, I think, you know, looks, looks pretty good at 6,800. He's playing really, really well, uh, has played well all season long. And you're seeing it continue in the postseason. Dylan Brooks at 5,800 is still cheap. It's tough to trust him just because uh, he's Dylan Brooks, but, I think 5,800 on DraftKings is still a pretty good price tag. Only 0.72 DraftKings points per minute in the series for him, but he still has a 25% usage rate, Um, shooting 40% from the field, 37% from three. I I think that production comes up at least a little bit, Um, but obviously, you know, still risky. Bain's at 1.04 DraftKings points per minute in the series, 21.6% usage rate. Gotta love that Dylan Brooks shoots more than Desmond Bain, but that's beside the point. Um, Everybody else kind of got priced up a little bit. Brandon Clark at 5,900 played 29 minutes off the bench still looks decent at that price, but he is starting to get risky there. Like for example, Xavier Tillman picked up two fouls in a minute and a half in the first quarter. If that doesn't happen, how many minutes do you actually get from Clark? Because then in the second quarter, Tillman played the entire quarter except for like three and a half minutes. So there's a chance that, you know, Clark wouldn't have played as much. So I think at 5,900, he's risky, but there's still a ceiling. Jackson is, High upside, I guess, but kind of like I was mentioning earlier with Towns, not only does Jackson foul a lot, but you also can't be confident that he's playing a ton of minutes when he does avoid foul trouble because Memphis just runs such a deep rotation. So I think that Jackson's pretty tough for me to prioritize.
0: Somebody uh, screaming at us in chat that Desmond Bain was in in some foul trouble.
1: He did have have five fouls.
0: Right, but... I know if you look at the fouls though, like his second foul came 10 minutes into the first quarter, his third and fourth foul came 10 minutes about into the third quarter. And then his fifth foul came in his fourth quarter rotation. So he might've yeah, lost like, he might've lost like two minutes.
1: Yeah. He subbed out for the second foul with two minutes and 30 seconds to go in the right. first quarter, but like he might've played taken the whole out quarter. He didn't get taken out in the third quarter. He didn't get taken out in the fourth quarter.
0: No, I'm saying he might have lost like two
1: minutes or so. Right. Like
0: yeah. It's reasonable. You don't need to scream now, fella. Anybody else for Memphis or you want to keep this one moving?
1: Um, I mean, Tillman at 3,500, I think, is still decent as a value. But, again, it's just I don't really know how much you need to get there with there not being great payoff or not being super expensive guys on this slate. Um, Tillman played 15 minutes last game dealt with some foul trouble don't i I really don't know how that rotation would have looked i don't have a good feel for it i think on average you're probably getting like 16 to 18 minutes from tillman which doesn't make me love him but if you do need a cheap value guy um i I think like if i if i have to go in that price range i would probably play tillman before like mcdaniels
0: okay let's talk about the Pels and the Suns actually shaping up to be a damn good series here before we do though Uh, Hit that thumbs up. We're at 120, not bad, 122, 436 watching. We can deal with that on a Tuesday morning for sure. But if you haven't done so, maybe get us to 150. Take a simple second out of your day. If you're on mobile, click out of the chat, hit thumbs up, come back in the chat and hang with us. We appreciate it. And also check out Underdog Fantasy, where if you use the promo code AWESEMO, A-W-E-S-E-M-O, you'll double your first deposit up to $100 they got a lot of great contests for the NBA playoffs. You got the $25,000 uh, Tuesday night hoops contest with 4k up top. If you go to UnderdogFantasy.com, just click the link in the video description or download their app. However you want to do it and use the promo code. Awesome. A W E S E M O get a hundred dollar uh, match deposit with double your first deposit up to a hundred dollars. Uh, and like I've said before, the, the NBA contests are awesome. We got the NFL draft coming up. NFL best ball contests are about to get underway. It might be early in the season for many of you, but once you try it, you're going to be like, oh, now I see why Adam and, and Lafayette are drafting best ball teams way earlier uh, than most people because it's an insane amount of fun. And it's a great place to get all of your best ball action in. And they got prop stuff as well. There's a lot over there at Underdog. So use that promo code up to 100Bucks. Go to UnderdogFantasy.com or download it in the app store all right pelicans i mean i still it's crazy because i still view this as a tough def- matchup uh with the phoenix suns defense but the pels have done a a particularly good job of, of being able to get points on the board i, I just want to see last i looked at them the Suns were allowing the highest three-point percentage in the postseason and, okay, it's come down considerably, as I would expect, 39.4%. But what do we make of the, excuse me, top three, the McCollums, the, the Ingrams, and the Jovals tonight for the Pelts?
1: I mean, I think they all still look pretty good. Um, They're in that same price range with guys like Cat and Butler and Young, which is kind of tough just because you can't necessarily rely on one of these guys to, like, always be that guy since they're playing with each other. Um, And they do have the difficult matchup with Phoenix. But you are getting plenty of playing time Um, McCollum and Ingram both played exactly 36 minutes and 28 seconds last game. But typically you're getting like 38 from um, Ingram. You're typically getting like 40 plus from McCollum in competitive games. So I I do think they both still look good. Joe Val's production typically takes a bit of a hit, at least usage wise when those guys are active, but he's rebounded really well. He's um, produced at a, a good rate this season. So I think that all three of those guys look good, just not, maybe not quite as good as other guys in their price range, but typically that's just going to drive down their ownership too and, and give them more appeal that way. And, and that's reflected right now. Uh, we have Val projected to be the highest owned guy on the team at 20%. McCollum at 18, Ingram at 16. Like on a three-game slate, when you're going to give me sub-20% ownership on guys there is, that – you know, ha- have the same have the upside that Ingram and McCollum do. Like for the series, Ingram's at 1.27 DraftKings points per minute, 30% usage rate, 24.5% um, assist percentage in 37.8 minutes per game. McCollum's at 1.15, 28% usage rate, 23% assist percentage in 40 minutes per game. When you compare them to guys like um, Trey Young or Jimmy Butler, when you look at the rates, um, usage rate is is pretty close. Assist percentage is comparable to Butler's. It's it's less than Young's, but you know, not facing Miami either. So I do think that at relatively low ownership, I like those guys. It's just that if the ownership comes up, like and they start to be similar to guys like Butler, then I would lean towards Butler.
0: How many minutes do you think Joval gets today? Cause his playing time kind of has been all over the map.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of tough. I think that like so for 30? the series, he's, at- yeah, for the series, he's averaged twenty-eight point eight minutes. He played 32 and a half last game and didn't play at the end. Uh, I think projection-wise, thirty makes sense. And then it's another spot where it could easily be, you know, three minutes, three or four minutes high or three or four minutes low. All
0: right. Let uh, actually, I, 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 I one point forgot. sorry,
1: one point four one DraftKings points per minute for Val, By the way,
0: it's solid. I mean, it's definitely solid. He's a great per minute guy. He always has been, even back to the Raptors day where there were days where was it Dwayne Casey just refused to play him.
1: Yeah. Um, and so one other positive with Val here, it, that's actually interesting in the regular season when he played the games that he played where both of McCollum and Ingram were active, he only had about a 20 and change usage rate through the first four games of this series. He's at 25.9%. Um, so you are seeing a bump in usage for him, in addition to the fact that he has a 32% rebounding percentage in this series.
0: It's crazy. And I look at the usage for the rest of this team. You know, you get 32% on McCollum or Ingram around 30% on McCollum 28% on, on Val. And then it really falls off a cliff. And a Devontae Graham's usage is, is boosted a little bit from that one game where he played a handful of minutes and just went on a, a scoring spree, but there's really nobody else here that you're going to get considerable usage from Herb Jones. You're going to get a lot of minutes from, you're going to hope that he knocks down the few shots that he does take. Uh, and and plays a lot of minutes again and gives you some of those stocks that you're looking for as he had five last game but uh not a usage guy not a high usage guy he was someone that we had been playing because he was affordable and in uh and playing a lot of minutes
1: yeah and he, he's just kind of like a last piece in type guy. Like you get the lineup that you really right. like. You have $4,800 left. You say, yeah, whatever. Herb Jones is going to play 30, 36 minutes. Um, not a good point per minute guy. In this series, he's at 0.56. Um, during the regular season, he was around three quarters of a fantasy point per minute. But like his job is not to get you fantasy points. It's to go lock down whoever he's defending on Phoenix. And he's extremely good at that. 11 and percent usage in this series. 3.6% rebounding percentage since Joe Val is grabbing every rebound. Uh, so you're, you're certainly not excited to get the uh, Herb Jones, but he has sub five K and averaging 36 minutes per game. And that's about all you can say positively.
0: Is there anything positive you can say about anyone else
1: for the Pels? Larry Nance finally played 25 minutes.
0: Yeah. That was nice.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's four K that, that's the kind of guy I don't mind taking shots on in tourna- in tournaments in the postseason, just because he does so many things well and can fit into so many versions of lineups. Like for example, if the Pels go small, good for Larry Nance. Like if Joe Val's playing less, Larry Nance can play more minutes. If Jackson Hayes plays less, Larry Nance can play more minutes. Um, I I don't know that there's any reason that Ingram McCollum or Jones would play less, um, barring foul trouble or injury. But even if one of them comes out, you can see Nance step up, especially like if it were, were Herb Jones. Um, so just his versatility makes it so he can step into to bigger roles, and he's not a bad point per minute guy either. So at four K, I am kind of interested in Nance, but you know, again, it's certainly not anything I'm I'm overly excited about as far as the rest of them. Um, I think Alvarado. you can make an
0: argument that Nance is a better play than than Herb Jones at, at an eight hundred dollar discount. Eight point nine four in this series, he's he has a dare I say a higher ceiling than than Herb Jones if he plays twenty five minutes again. It's not to say well. But he hasn't played less than 20 minutes in this series either and it's not exactly like his usage has been through the floor he has what like a 19 19 usage rate in potentially 25 minutes as a near one fantasy point per minute guy that's pretty intriguing at 13 percent ownership i think
1: yeah factoring in salary i think he's very similar to jones like in terms of just from a dfs standpoint um because right now we have jones at 14 we have nance at 13 percent if you just kind of take what they've done the series on average, and, and again, that's not the way you project guys, but like it, it gives you just kind of a, yeah. a broader picture. Um, if you take Nance's, you know, point nine four DraftKings points per minute over twenty two minutes, it's basically the same as Jones 0.56 over thirty six. That's what I'm saying. You know, yeah. so um, yeah, I think from a fantasy standpoint, they are pretty similar, and I do agree with you. If Nance gets for some reason, if Nance plays upper 20s, like you're getting a good fantasy game almost without a doubt. Whereas Herb Jones can play 36 minutes and give you virtually nothing.
0: Didn't Herb Jones play like 40 and have didn't he have recently what did he play? 40 and had 18. So yeah, 31 had 10. It's it's doable. Herb Jones, if anyone can do it, Herb Jones can. Uh let's let's wrap this
1: one up. Ar- Arcatelza said he thinks they ran uh Nance and Jovel together for a while last game. Yeah, they did. Um and that that's the thing with Nance. Like he can he can play alongside Joval. He can play in place of Joval. um He really just needs to take minutes. For for him to get minutes, you just need fewer minutes than normal from one of Hayes or Joval. Normally that's going to be Hayes, because he's kind of like barely in the rotation at this point, despite being a starter. Um I, I'm kinda I kind of don't know why they don't just start Nance, but that's beside the point. Um so yeah, it's he can play alongside Joval. And that's you know good for him. Um outside of that, I mean, Alvarado is still playing like 18 minutes, but Again, I just—if you had Jokic and Giannis on the slate, I'd be a little bit more interested.
0: All right, I can't ah, for some reason popcorn. Oh, here it is. I just wanted to see who. Yeah, and Larry Nance closed that game with Ingram, McCollum, and Jones. Did yeah? Did uh, Jovial? Was he? No, he didn't foul out. He just didn't close. Okay, interesting. Let's um. Oh, no, my fault. That was two games ago. I I didn't get it. No,
1: he closed last game.
0: Yeah, but I was looking at – the game I was looking at was from from two games
1: ago. Oh, yeah, because I'll say Nance did sub in for Joval with 422 left in the fourth.
0: In last game, too? Okay, so it was – just want to see here.
1: Alvarado, McCollum, Ingram, Jones, and Nance.
0: So it would have been the same thing that they did the previous game. Wow. All right, Chris Paul. It's funny because I, I, I was uh, higher on Chris Paul than I was on Trey young last game. So I see that Trey young game and I'm thinking, okay, I mean, it, this, what can go wrong? Chris Paul just can't be awful. Granted, he still had like almost twice as many fantasy points as Trey young because Trey young was, was off Well, he had 10 more. But man, dude, Chris Paul, you talk about just an underwhelming performance completely lifeless four points on the day in that
1: loss yeah uh 14 usage rate in that game very surprising
0: it's crazy too because the game prior to that he was excellent right they get the win 28 points 14 assists 40 minutes and i don't necessarily know what to expect from chris Paul at this point but at 9k how does he stack up against all of the other guys at a similar price range
1: it's tough. Like I'm really surprised by how last game went. And I had mentioned um, when Booker went down that my one concern was that even though that does typically mean more rates for Paul, it also means that Herb Jones has nothing to do except annoy Chris Paul, basically. Um, So I'm not like, I'm never going to just not play somebody because of an individual defender, but um, from an efficiency standpoint, at least, and you know, kind of a, a path to least resistance, you would like Booker out there to draw attention away from Chris Paul, but I do think you get a bounce back game. Um, He's just too good kind of not to have one. Uh, He he gets a little bit of a usage bump without Booker. He gets an assist bump without Booker. I still think he looks good. I I would put him in that same conversation with, you know, Young and uh, Butler.
0: So we're coming up against it here. We got the MLB strategy show coming up. So let's just talk about the rest of Phoenix and head out for the day. Well, actually, we'll be back later tonight. We got a lot of content PJ Strategy Show, MLB Strategy Show, a lot today. And of course, everything we've got leading up to lock for baseball and basketball later in the night. Round out the Phoenix Suns for us Ken Johnson, Bridges, Crowder, DeAndre Ayton at 7,900, and anybody else I haven't touched on.
1: Yeah, so I think Cameron Johnson looks like one of the better sub 5k values today. Uh, same price point as Herb Jones, but somebody that averages around 0.9 DraftKings points per minute. He got the start last game, played 32 minutes, uh, didn't close either. So I mean, conceivably could have played more. Uh, makes him look like a, a very good value, I think. Mikel Bridges is going to play a ton. He's only 5,700. DeAndre Ayton at 7,900 looks okay. I think I would rather get to Joval, though, just given the uh, rebounding abilities and, and the increased usage for Joe Val, but um, Aiton still looks fine. Should see a little bit of increased usage with Booker out, especially if, if they're going to try and take away Chris Paul. So um, I, I think Aiton and Bridges look fine. I think Johnson looks like a good value. I like Chris Paul. Uh, Jay Crowder, Landry Shamit kind of just last guy in like dart throws. I, I think
0: it's kind of crazy. Listen to the fantasy point per minute for those guys this year or this, this series. So not your Booker Aiton or Paul. Bridges, 0.69, Crowder, 0.64, Johnson, 0.64, Landry Schammett, 0.49, Cameron Payne, 0.55. Like, all of those guys, you're just hoping to catch lightning in a bottle and have them start raining down some threes or racking up some steals for you.
1: Was there a question there?
0: Uh, No, I'm I'm saying it's amazing that all of, like, everybody, even even if you take Booker off the floor, these guys are still – modest fantasy producers at best.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of, none of them have the skill set that Booker does. So it's not like they can really replace them. Like I know the first game Booker was out. I don't remember who it was. I just remember somebody in chat saying like, how do you not like Jay Crowder with Booker out? And I was like, well, what's he going to do? Like run the offense, become, you know, right. start creating for himself. Like that's not who he is. Um, so you like, you're either going to get more from Chris Paul or he's going to be setting guys up, which means typically an increase in usage for DeAndre Ayton in particular. Um, But it's just like you you don't get that type of offense from guys like Bridges or or Crowder. Cameron Johnson can do it a bit, and I think that's a reason he's in the starting lineup now. Um,
0: But it's like an equal distribution of of opportunities going around for Booker from whatever Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton aren't soaking up. It's not like one of them – it's not like Jay Crowder is going to start attempting nine more field goal attempts per game because Devin Booker's out.
1: Right, exactly. Like, he, like he's going to get his extra shot or two. Bridges is going to get yeah. his extra shot or two. Um, yeah, and I mean, as far as trying to replace him, you know, it's basically like you can bring Landry Shaman in for shooting. Uh, Cameron Johnson offers a bit offensively. If you wanted to go with more Cameron Payne, um, you could try that. He only played, like, 18 minutes last game, but uh, he was in the closing lineup. But, yeah, I mean, there's just nobody that n- – n- none of the, like n- – none of the other normal starters – can just like there's there's not one of them that just steps up in the Devin bookers production
0: that'll do it follow adam and ship my money dfs me at Lafay underscore d shout out to our boy jordan klein for producing this one and stick around on this channel coming up next it's greg and it's matt lamarca with the mlb strategy show then pga strategy show and then a whole lot more leading you up to lock we'll see you back here tomorrow on the nba strategy show presented by underdog peace